630 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex, where oil country shops for printers and office equipment. Service is their business. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Oilers Now brought to you by Digitex, Canada's largest Canon dealership, where their main goal is to save you time and money provide true Alberta service. Check them out at Digitex.ca. Digitex now has a massive supplies division where you can find paper and supplies for all brands of equipment. In this hour, Rob Brown from the Oilers Radio Network. Uh, we will uh, talk to Brandon Baddock, the captain of the Edmonton Oil Kings, and hear comments from Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. Oilers wrapped up practice around 11.50 today on the heels of a five-point performance Last night from Connor McDavid, first career hat-trick, 4-1 Jordan Everly and four assists for Benoit Pouliot. Oilers get the Winnipeg Jets tomorrow night, 8 o'clock, second of the doubleheader for Hockey Night in Canada. Of note, Mark Letestu uh, with Cassian and Hall, Leon Dreisaitl between Purcell and Packer Rennan. Um, you can email us at oilersnow at 630chat.com. It's presented by Holmes Biavik. You can text us at 630-630. We're on Twitter at oilersnow as well. And a reminder, some guests in Oilers Now receive gift certificates to Japanese Village, the right choice for a celebration for the senses, with three convenient locations to serve you, Northgate, Downtown, and Southside. All right, let's do this. Pleased to uh, bring aboard from the Oilers Radio Network, our Inside the Game analyst, man who once scored 49 goals in an NHL season and played with two of the greatest players in the history of the game, Mario Lemieux and Yarmir Jagr, the one and only Rob Brown. Rob, how you doing? Doing good today, Bob. How are you? Uh, good. Have you come down yet from that uh, virtuoso performance we saw last night? <laughs> I have, but it's been fun running into people today and talking to people about it. You know, it was a special night and something that we... I don't know if we predicted, but we thought was a strong possibility of happening. Uh, a great player, big stage, family and friends all watching. Uh, you know, Toronto, his hometown team. Uh, he just had this feeling that something could special, something special could happen, and it did. Well, you I mean, he, you predicted they'd score five goals, but Jeff O'Neill predicted he'd get five points. So that's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. You know, I've, I've been wrong so often on predictions. I'm trying to get out of the prediction game. <laughs> but I, I'm going to predict something right now. This team is highly unpredictable, the Edmontoners. <laughs> you don't know what you're going to get from one shift to one shift. It's a sign of a young, still maturing hockey club. And that was illustrated. I mean, I, I think you know how upset I was after the first period last night. Like, I, that to me, that was the worst period the Oilers played all year. It, it was. And had they been playing any team other than Toronto – or had Toronto had its best players in you know, the Van Riemsdyks, the Bo- Bozaks, uh, the the Lupels, uh, Mahalik, it would have been a four-one lead for the for the opposition because they were that bad. <laughs> I mean, there were. I mean, Toronto's top twelve forwards last, and their twelve forwards, eight of them are minor hawk, or excuse me, minor league players, AHL type players, and they had the Oilers hemmed in for long periods of time. And if it wasn't for Cam Talbot in the first period that game could have got away from them. And that was disappointing. Uh, and even after that, the Oilers were better. But if you were to take out, if you were to go to video today, take the 60-minute game, take all the shifts that the McDavid line was on, take that out of the equation, it, you know, it was a scary game for the Edmonton Oilers. They, they won simply because one line they had was exceptional, and they got very, very good goaltending. 
I don't know if it's a long-term sustainable model. No, actually, I do know. It's not a long-term sustainable model. But is it a little bit similar to what you had in Pittsburgh when you were playing with your, uh, Mario before Yarmer got there, where you guys had the one line led by the dominant player? I mean, brilliant one-on-one player that Mario was. And then you guys had challenges in other spots in your lineup. It was, and that's why we were a team that uh, made the playoffs and didn't make the playoffs and made the playoffs and were struggling again. You just can't. It's just too easy to defend. I mean, if you have a great line over the course of a season, they're going to have great games. But you're not going to win the majority of your games simply because other teams. Okay, well, McDavid's out there. We don't even think offense. We're just going to think defense. Just don't let them score, and we'll win it with our other three lines. And teams that are our championship teams. And Todd McClellan said it last night. It's if you want to win in the playoffs, you need four lines or possibly five lines to get through uh, April, May, and June. And uh, we were hoping that the Oilers, when McDavid came back, they would have two lines going. And eventually they will. But right now the dry set of line is dried up. And that's putting a lot of pressure on McDavid. Now he's used to it and he's good with it. But when you start playing the good teams, you play the L.A. Kings and all of a sudden Dowdy's out every time that McDavid's out. Or if you play against the Blackhawks and it's Keith, or if you play against the St. Louis Blues and then they got a handful of defensemen that they can throw out there and their whole job is to shut your best line down, well, you better have other lines that can do something. And uh, as of late, it hasn't been happening, but it will. And, I mean, Hall's talent didn't disappear. Dreisaitl's ability didn't disappear. They're just going through a lull, and they need to get out of it. And uh, hopefully on this homestand, they'll find their game again, and then all of a sudden the Oilers are going to have two incredibly talented lines that you're going to have to struggle against. Rob, you brought up an interesting point. Like Teams have to defend differently against McDavid just because of the speed and the ability to separate from a backtracking centerman like he did on, and albeit it was Mark Arcobello, it's a minor league player, on that first goal. But he changes what defensemen can do on the ice when he's out on the ice. He is, and you and I talked about it. So in that, the goal that McDavid scores on his breakaway, uh, the, I believe it was Morgan Riley. Puck comes up to Jordan Everly. Morgan Riley looks. He sees that he's got his D-man help back in the right spot. He looks. Arcobello's the high man. He's with his man. That means I can pinch. He pinches. Everly makes a nice play, just chipping it past. And now it's a race. Pouliot and his D-man. His D-man looks. All right, Arcabella, he's got his guy. I can go now force Pouliot. Pouliot just has a long reach, just tips it. By the time it gets to the slot or the ringette line, McDavid's got 10 strides on Arcabella. The Toronto Maple Leafs were in perfect position, but McDavid's speed just separated him from Arcabella. I was talking to Ray Ferro after the game. They actually had it on a a replay, and they showed every stride that McDavid took. He added five inches, six inches, ten inches, a foot, two feet, three feet. And Arcabella's working his nuts off trying to get back, and he's just losing distance every time. So when you're, so we started talking about when you're on the ice with McDavid and you're forechecking, your forecheck's different. You can't pinch as a defenseman. You got, you know what? I'm going to let you easy access out because I would rather play you three on three coming down on me than to have one guy have to go one on one against McDavid. And Arcabella tried doing that. And I don't care if it was Arcabella, who was probably uh, more or less a career minor leaguer, or if it's Jonathan Taves. The speed that McDavid has, he's got, there's fast players in the NHL, and then there's superstar speed. And McDavid's got that superstar speed. Uh, you played with a couple superstars. Um, they were unselfish players as well, were they not? Incredibly unselfish. Yeah. I mean, a guy like Mario, uh, it, when 
he, he always deferred. And I know that you always talk about deferring. Sometimes the others defer too much, and McDavid defers too much. But it's in their DNA. There's guys that make their teammates better. And guys that make their teammates better have to be unselfish. And last night, I mean, McDavid could have had his first ever hat trick. But McDavid knows, and he's not going to say it out loud, but McDavid knows in a set, you know what, I'm going to get a lot of hat tricks in my day. And I'm, here's a guy, Jordan Everly, I'm going to keep my linemate happy. And he puts the puck to, to Everly, and it's all that thought is like a split second because that's the type of player he is. And I've played with guys that are the opposite, that they'll have four guys on them, there'll be an empty net, you'll be wide open, and they're trying to beat four guys and put it between someone's legs because they want that hat trick. They don't think of anything but themselves. And I've also seen other guys that have wide open nets, and they'll stop and wait for you to catch up so that you get that empty net goal. And Connor McDavid's that, that guy. He's special. And it is so incredible for uh, the city of Edmonton, but in a selfish way for people like you and I that are getting to see him at the beginning of his career and watch him take off. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun doing that. Who was the worst player you ever saw either Mario Lemieux or Yarmir Yeager go out of their way to try to set up for a goal? Um, and I'm not saying that Jordan Everly is a bad player. I just, you know, you know what it's like. You know, you, you go and play in a, a men's league game, Rob, and you, you're still a highly skilled player. You were, you know, an, an excellent, uh, you know, skilled offensive NHL player. So when you go out with a bunch of slugs, like the media guys once a year, and you're dishing left and right, you know, it's it's appreciated. So at the NHL level, without well, I guess you're kind of calling out a guy when I'm. Well, it, 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 I got a couple stories on that way. So it, one, it, it was in the minors, and we were playing. And Rocky Thompson was playing for San Antonio. Had gone the whole year without a goal, and it was the end, last game of the season. They had a five-on-three power play for four minutes. He stayed on the whole time, and the entire team were only looking to pass to Rocky Thompson. And everyone on our team knew what they were doing, but they were still trying to do it because it, you, you appreciate other guys, what they do, and you want to make sure that they feel wanted by their teammates. But the best one at the NHL level, though, was, oh God, it was a few years ago. It was a game in um, L.A. It was St. Louis versus L.A., and I believe I could get the name, but I believe it was Pavel Dimitra and Scott Young. Pavel Dimitra, I believe, had a half a million dollar bonus oh, yeah, for one more point. Yep. And Scott Young had like a $300,000 bonus for one more goal. Dimitra had a breakaway on an empty net. And, it was, and the numbers might be a little off, but if he scores in the empty net, it's worth a half a million dollars. Instead of taking it, he stops. He waits because he knows that Scott Young has a bonus too. He waits for Scott Young, passes to Young, and Young shoots, and the defender tips it wide. So they both lost their bonus, but Dimitra would have had his bonus because he had a breakaway on an empty net. But because he's an unselfish player, decided, you know what, I'm going to see if I can get Scott his bonus as well. So I think I'm not sure the exact, but that was a, a couple of years ago. It was in L.A., and I remember the defenseman was a rookie and afterwards took some ribbing because all the players knew that he just screwed those guys out of a lot of money. That's, uh, that's an interesting story. How much fun did you have last week at that event out in uh, Kamloops? It was awesome. There was a lot of guys I hadn't seen in a long time, like uh, Darcy Tucker and Mark Reckie, uh Stewie Barnes, and then Lanny McDonald was there. Wendell Clark was there. Um, Mark Napier. My line, I had Ron McLean as one winger, and then a, a tough kid out of Camelot named Chris Murray as my other winger. <laughs> and we had a ball. Uh, Cassie Campbell was our coach. And it was fun. It was just going out and enjoying it. We had a sellout crowd in Kamloops. It was the 50th anniversary of the Western Hockey League for Hockey Day in Canada. And then we, we played, and then we went and told stories until about 4.35 in the morning. And uh, it, it's good to get back and see guys that you haven't seen in a while. Got to hang out with 
Brian Trotty, who uh, was one of my favorite guys that I've played with, so got to sit and tell stories with him. And it, it was neat. It's, uh, I've been very fortunate in the game of hockey in my life, and then getting together with some of the guys and reliving some of those moments is special. Uh, Chris Murray was tough. When he he came, was very, very tough. He came up with the Habs, man. He could, I mean, for a guy, he wasn't a true heavyweight. He was a light heavyweight, but he could swing. Uh, anybody you noticed that you played with or against, you thought, wow, this guy's still got a lot of ability. Uh, Cliff Ronning. Cliff Ronning played in it, and he hasn't lost it. He looks like he could go play right now. He's the exact same size. He hasn't added a, a, an ounce of fat to his body, and he was still flying around out there buzzing. So, he, yeah, he still has it. And actually, one that really impressed was Kirk McLean, uh, a great goaltender, played for the Vancouver Canucks for a number of years. Sure. He, played, he played as a forward, and actually quite good. I was very impressed. I'm like, Corey Hurst tried doing it as a forward, too. Not as impressed, but Kirk McLean was very good. Well, Kirk McLean, Ronnie, both part of that 94 championship run for the uh, the Vancouver Canucks organization. Did you say Ron McLean was your winger? Ron McLean was my winger, yep. How'd he do? I know he still officiates. You know what? He was good. I mean, we scored seven goals our line, and I think Ronnie McLean had about four or five points. He, I was impressed. I, I had no idea. I knew that I'd heard that he'd ref. Yep. Uh, very smart player. He uh, like he, he drives the net. He takes the puck wide, and he button like I was like, wow, he, he knows what he's doing. So all those years that you hear him talking about hockey, well, he's got a very good grasp of it when he plays. So I, I was very impressed. Don Cherry came. He came, said some words before the game. So it, Kamloops did a great job. The Kamloops Blazers, Stu McGregor, and everyone in Kamloops did a great job putting it on. Yeah, well, so McLean was like one of the two broadcasters you played that line with about four or five years ago, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I played with some great broadcasters in my life. Bob Stoffer, Ron McLean, <laughs> and some other guys. There we go. Hey, we'll see you tomorrow night. You want to make any predictions on uh, what kind? Because uh, you called it. You said the Oilers would get five goals against the Leafs. The Jets are taking. They take some penalties. I think they're going to play the Oilers hard. They're going to be aggressive. They're a little bit frustrated. They're not winning a lot at home, but they're playing okay on the road. Just a quick thought on tomorrow night's game. Well, this is a team that gives... The Oilers trouble, a big, physical, nasty team that uh, contests everything. There's a battle everywhere you go. If the Oilers want to take that next step, they're going to have to beat big teams. They can't just beat the Toronto Maple Leafs of the world. They've got to beat strong teams. Now, Winnipeg, they're not as good as they were last year, but it's still a test for the Edmonton Oilers. So, to me, tomorrow, the, the game will be based on if the dry side of line can get going because I have absolute faith that the McDavid line will be good. If the dry side of line is good as well, then the Winnipeg Jets are in a little bit of trouble. Well, and we should mention again today, Dreisaitl did not play with uh, Cassian and Hall. They had uh, Actually, they had Cassian along with Latestu and Hall, and uh, Dreisaitl with Purcell and Pockerin, and we'll see if that continues. Rob, great stuff. Thank you very much. Sounds good, Bob. Take care. Yep, 122 in Edmonton. I want to mention to you, have you ever been to the Cole Dale Arena? ATB Financial has. That's where they surprised young head coach Colby Stone. An ATB home ice hero with $5,000. Watch Colby's story and nominate your own hero at atb.com backslash home ice. Coldale, Alberta. Wow. I could do a trivia question, find out how quickly people uh, people know. All right. Name the, 40, the former 40 goal scorer for the Medicine Hat Tigers. In the early 2000s, that scored one of the biggest goals at Rexall Place during the lockout year in 0405. This player, of course, uh, would go on and play in the American Hockey League. 
You can text us at 630-630. He is from Coldale, Alberta. This is Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 126 in Edmonton. Welcome back. Oilers Now, everybody. Again, we'll get to some of Todd McClellan's thoughts. Uh, he might even have a bit of an update on Oscar Clefbaum for us after the 130 news weather and traffic update. Brandon Baddock, the captain of the Edmonton Oil Kings, coming up at 145. I asked you... Uh, Coldale, Alberta, named the former Medicine Hat Tiger, who scored one of the biggest goals during the 04-05 lockout year at Rexall Place, would later go on to play in the American Hockey League. And the correct answer, and uh, several of you got it, Ben Thompson from the Alberta Golden Bears. Ben, five foot seven, tenacious guy, scored 40 in the dub with the Tigers, excellent major junior player. Uh, had a stellar career for three years at the U of A, won two national championships, easily could have won a third. Uh, Bears losing in overtime his freshman year back in 04, which for me was my most disappointing loss of that uh, group at the Golden Bears over the 13 years that I did their games. They were undefeated that year. They won the next two years, and Thompson was the guy that helped them rally with the game-tying goal um, with under 30 seconds left and then the game-winning goal in overtime against the University of Saskatchewan Huskies. Should be noted, the morning after uh, the Bears won the national championship, I got a call uh, from uh, an Oilers manager uh, wondering about the possibility of getting Thompson turned pro immediately after that. He waited one more year, went back to the U of A in 05-06. They won the national championship again at, Claire, at uh, Rexall Place. And then Thompson subsequently signed with uh, the Houston Arrows of the American Hockey League he fought Brandon Prust. The uh, Calgary Flames had a, a Russian forward, uh, Tara Tukin, that was a second rounder, and Benny Thompson lit him up with a hit, and Brandon Prust went and grabbed Thompson and worked him over pretty good. And I wasn't very pleased with Brandon Prust for that, but uh, he quickly earned my respect. The night, uh, many of you would remember this in Edmonton, Steve McIntyre, McIntyre's first stint with the Oilers, absolutely obliterated Dustin Boyd with a hit and Brandon Prust at uh you know six five foot eleven and two hundred and five pounds squared up with you know six foot six foot eight two hundred and fifty pounds Steve McIntyre so within a span of two years Prust had gone from fighting a guy that was five seven to fighting a guy that was six eight tells you a lot about Brandon Prust who uh, looks like he's on the final stages of his uh NHL career being sent down to the minors this year by the Vancouver Canucks. Lots of you, by the way, lots of you ended up getting the question uh, on Ben Thompson, so congrats. Even Jensen out of Saskatchewan got it. Uh, yeah, so you can text us. I think Jensen came up with a Kyle McLaren at first, but uh, probably 35 or 40 texters. Uh, even a couple guys personally texted me, came up with the answer of Ben Thompson on that one. So people obviously remember that goal. Here at Rexall Place, no 405. Memorable nights uh, coming up ahead in the future. There's no question based on what we saw last night. We'll continue to get some thoughts on that. Todd McClellan, Oilers head coach coming up. Brandon Baddock, one of the tough, well, right now the toughest guy in the Western Hockey League, unsigned currently by the New Jersey Devils uh, of the Edmonton Oil Kings in the final half hour as well. Off to 630 Chad News Weather Traffic Update with Randy Kilburn. <laughs> 